you may also like. A show about the things you may also like. Things like Tobin. Brian Tobin is a podcaster from Newfoundland. Now, don't go hitting up Wikipedia on this because you'll run into the other Brian Tobin, who was Premier of Newfoundland at the end of the last millennium. Brian interviews celebrities. If you scroll through his feed, there's lots of actors and musicians in there. So how did it all start? Largely by accident. And because a broadcast teacher didn't believe him when he said he would do it. Anyhow, off to Newfoundland we go for this one. At what age did you know that you wanted to become a broadcaster? I think when I was maybe, I know it's 16 or 17, my original goal was to go to like the SNL. And then I was like, okay, maybe you don't know if your comedy is good. You don't know if people find you funny. And it was around that same time that I ended up digging up an old Christmas gift that was a radio player. Like you'd put it on an FM station that's just static. And then you could like plug in CDs, you could hear yourself on the radio. And I just thought to myself, like, hey, that might be an interesting career choice to get into broadcasting because growing up listening to radio down here in Newfoundland or anywhere really now, you can still have a personality, have a few jokes and present people with like news, sports, entertainment, and you can still have a little bit of a character. So that's kind of where it started. I'm thinking about your affinity and attachment to SNL. Yeah. What time does that even come on in Newfoundland? I can't, I can't imagine if it's live in New York at 1130. That must be like coming on at, oh, at man. 1 or 2 a.m., 1 a.m.? Oh, yes. Yeah, around 16. So we used to go to my cabin or cottage a lot. And me and my brother would watch the two hockey games. And then by the second hockey game, he'd be passed out. But he'd be the one who's like, hey, I'm going to stay up for SNL. I'm like, yeah, right, you are. And then, yeah, it was like one o'clock. And then I'd be like, all right, like how long am I going to last? And I'd watch the whole episode. But it was back when like SNL had a lot of key members. It was still good. It still was still watchable. But they lost a lot of people over a short period of time. And it's kind of hard to replace. Well, it comes in waves, right? I think a lot of us remember SNL in a period that we you know, liked it the most. I, for one, liked it the best in the 90s with Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, and Phil Hartman. And then, of course. Yeah, and then they leave, and it's like, oh, the show's no good anymore, and then it comes back again. Everyone says that. Like, I even say this to my my friend Bradley. I'm just like, man, remember when we used to watch, they had, like, Farrell, Faye, Polar, then Kristen Wiig comes in, and then you're like, yeah, I'm not giving her a chance, and then she comes to be Kristen Wiig, and you like her too, so it takes time. What kind of radio show did you expect that you would be doing as a broadcaster, or maybe it was going to be a TV show? When I first started like the whole idea of a radio show or even a podcast, I originally pitched it to, because I was at Algonquin at the time, and you kind of needed it for an internship. Now, I originally planned to go to Toronto to be part of global TV. Just didn't pan out. Things happen. So I got stuck in this place where it's like, you need the credits, and they either wanted me to go back to doing the radio on their station, which is what we were doing for the last two years. And I was like, I'm not really getting much out of this internship, if that's the case. So I pitched it to, I think it's, you may know him, but it was like Dan Mellon and Dan Palanen. I like both of them. I find Palanen was a really kind of a tough teacher. And that's kind of the teachers I like because they're not going to bullshit you. They're just going to tell you it as it is. I came up with the idea of, hey, what about if I just did like a sports show? I'm just going to tell people like what the scores of were games at Carleton, Algonquin, University of Ottawa. And he's like, that sounds good. When are you going to post it? I was like, oh, the next day. 
He's like, yeah, that's no good. I was like, oh, okay. So then I came up with the idea of like, what about if I tried doing a podcast with friends and we talked about issues? He's like, I'm not great enlighten that at all. And it was like the second time I left his office and I was a little bit furious. So I came back to him and just off the spit of my mouth, I said, what if I just try to go interview celebrities? And he was just like, go for it. And Junos were in Ottawa. And being a little, the East Coast, I felt like, you know, I could get Jimmy Rankin, Heather Rankin on really quickly because give them my story, let them know I'm from the East Coast. And then that kind of spiraled from there because Jimmy was our first guest. Heather came on next. And then I believe it was like the Ennis sisters. And then with the Junos here, I ended up getting Max Kerman from the Arkells. And it just kind of went from there because then you kind of had something to send people to say, hey, these are people I've had on early. And I guess they want to be a part of the process. This podcast is your internship. Yeah, it was originally my internship. And then after a while, I just, once Algonquin was over, there was two sides of it of either. I was like, okay, I've done what I had to do. I got my grade. It's done. Let's go out and find a job in media. But I really enjoyed doing it. And I felt like by keeping on doing that, I could give people sample material because I'm no longer in university or college. You know, where am I getting my sample material if I'm not working I ended up talking to the two Dans, and they allowed me to use the studio. And that was great for the first year because it was over summer and no one was coming in. But then by the second time, when school was starting to start again and they needed those studios, it was hard to arrange a time that was free for you to go in to talk to the person you had on. So then I moved it to University of Ottawa because they wanted something to put on their station for a little bit. I guess the agreement was you use our station and we'll put it on. And I was like, that works, gives me another kind of platform to use. And then eventually I moved back here to Newfoundland and I didn't have anything like no mics, no sound equipment. So there's like three or four months that it was just dead. And then I started up again because I was like, kind of missed doing it. So the Rankins were your first interviews and then it progressed from there. So how would you say that your style of interview has evolved over all the episodes that you've done with all the celebrities that you've met? At first, like anyone, when you first start it, you're kind of trying to figure out how to find your own character, your own niche, like your own voice. And I think a real turning point for me was when we had Lisa LaFlamme on. She kind of explained to me like, hey, that's life. Like I started off at University of Ottawa, she said, and like you were trying to find your your voice, what your passion is. And I was like, okay, so it's just not me that's struggling to figure this out because I think the interview with Max Kerman is the one that I really enjoy going back and listening to because it really kind of turns a dial of how just monotone I sound and how uninterested I sound, even though I thought at the time I'm like totally engaged. Like I'm making a few jokes at my name. He's making a few jokes at me being a Newfoundlander. I'm not taking it seriously, like in terms of like being offended. And my friend goes and listens to it and he's like, it sounds like you're just not interested in the Arkells at all. I was like, let me go listen to it. I'm like, oh my God, it does sound like that trying to find a fine line after a while of doing so many interviews and being like, how do I come across friendly, but also like enthusiastic? And yeah, at times let them know like, hey, here's my passion. Here's something that's funny, that's interesting. And you go from there. But it does take a while to really get into that. I, and I guess wouldn't be character, but just getting your own comfortable zone of, okay, this is where I'm comfortable of doing this. And this is where I would never do that. I wouldn't say this in person to somebody. So why am I saying it on this podcast? I think that's very astute of you to point out, I need to go listen to myself and how I sound in order to get better at what I'm doing. You know, the self-check, as as people call it, going back and reviewing your work is really something that a lot of podcasters skip over, and it's why they continue to be boring going forward. They're not really progressing 
unless they're going back and going through the same experience that the listener is going through when they're listening to a show. It's tough because I don't think for me and maybe others out there, it's like hearing my own voice. Like when I used to hear my own voice through radio checks at Algonquin, or even if someone was showing you how you sound over the phone, I'm like, man, I sound like a 14 year old girl. I'm like, I don't like that. It's like some people would call the house and just be like, is your mom there? Or is this Maureen Tobin? And I'm like, no, this is Brian. I'm like, do I actually sound like my mom? Like, okay. But it's something that I think over time, you kind of have to just sit down tough it out because you'll learn a good bit from it. Like if my friend didn't have to tell me how I sounded in that interview or that conversation, I probably would have kept on going that way, doing a little bit of research and be like, okay, we're going to talk about things in a linear fashion. Over time, sending that out to different people in radio, because you're still trying to find a job at this point in radio, because it's still kind of your main goal. They would come back and give you a little bit of criticism. And I think one of the biggest ones I got, I can't remember his name now, but he said, if you're supposed to be a conversational podcast, he's like, why are you doing this all in linear fashion? He's like, do you talk to your friends in a linear fashion? I was like, not really. I'd probably start with like the most topical thing, you know, that they had going for them and then just kind of range from there, like whatever comes to your mind. And he's like, exactly. So do that with them. Like if they bring up about a movie that they were in two years ago, why are you then going back to where you wanted to go with your talking point? Like go off that. And I was like, okay. And at first I was like, man, that's going to like confuse me. I don't, where am I going with it? But it's right. If you're a conversational podcast, technically how you can do it. And he said, it doesn't mean you lose your research or you don't have questions ready or have it planned, but just go off of like what they're doing or what they're saying. Like, don't make it sound like everything's preempted. And I'm sure you get this question a lot because of your proximity to Newfoundland. And that is, was your father the premier (laughs) of Newfoundland? Yeah, that, that one I get a lot. I feel like that should have been the name of a podcast where it should have been like, I am not related to that Brian Tobin. But yeah, no, I, I we have no relation to that Brian Tobin. But I do get that a lot. My grade five teacher would not call me Brian or Tobin. He would just call me Premier. What's the process that you use for getting a celebrity to appear on your podcast? When I was maybe in 20, 22 or 23, when I was first starting, I was like, At first, I thought it was easy just to reach out to their Facebook page, their Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And then I started looking up, like, if you put in on Google, like, Arkell's contact information or Heather Rankin contact, sometimes it would just come up on the Google search. And then I found a website, I think it was like booking.ca or something along those lines where you pay $20 a month and it kind of gives you the agents, the managers, all that contact. Now, sometimes it can still be incorrect. But that's where I just looked into it. I'm like, all right, let's give it a shot. And then I started reaching out to their managers, their PR people. And I was still trying to figure out what message I was going to send them. So at first, I kind of relied on the disability a little bit. because I was like, man, everyone likes a good disability story or an underdog story of like someone who had a stroke at 12, wanted to be in media, is trying to get in media. But this is his way of saying, all right, this is what I have to do to get in media. Give me a shot. And for sometimes it works. Sometimes they'll come back and say, listen, love your story. They're not doing anything right now, but love the persistence. And for me, it's hard to take no. It's hard to take rejection, especially when like growing up, you don't get a lot of it. Not that I'm spoiled. It's just that many of the projects that you're doing, you're only going to hear no once. It's done. It's over. You're moved on. But where this is kind of like your career or passion, you have to take no a lot more often than I thought you would. And it's tough to take it. But you kind of have to let it be like, I guess, duck on a water's back, just kind of let it flow. Or like, you know, if you're a Leafs fan, you probably relate to it where it's like, this is our year to win the cup. And it's not, you just kind of let it go after the next year. 
And then over a bit of time, I started progressing the email. Like once you start getting more acts on, then you could use those names to be like, here's who we had on. We had Steve Howie, we've had Tim Allen. And then I thought, okay, that should help. But it's always a learning process. I'm learning now, maybe it doesn't matter who you've had on. Maybe they just care about like how you're going to present them. Like who cares if you had Adam Sandler on? How are you going to present my act? Like, why does this act have to come on? Like, we want to make sure when this person comes on your show that we're getting either a good soundbite, good audience, you know, good reach. And I think that's where I'm working on now. It takes time. I'm sure that people have got that mastered in like second or third episode or year two or year three. I'm what I call a trouble child where it's like, all right, I need to learn the hard way because that's the only way it's going to dig through my brain. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. You may also like Supports Podcasting 2.0, so feel free to send us a boost if you are listening on a newer podcast app. If you don't have one, you can see a full list of them at newpodcastapps.com. You say your show's not your standard Q&A, so how do you make sure that your show is not your standard Q&A? That's fair. I feel like to make it not a standard Q&A, it's a lot of times when I look at interviews, like either on ET Canada, no, like no offense to them, that's what they're doing, and it's news outlets like they only have maybe five minutes with them maybe three minutes so you're you're trying to get the most out of that clip so if they got a new movie out they're talking about the new movie that's it one shot done now i've I've done those before my interview with uh, tim allen is kind of like that where they only gave me so many minutes it's cool with that because tim allen loved tim allen but i i had to cater it around like okay these are the questions i gotta ask but after the interview was done i was like this isn't really fairly authentic to me or genuine like yeah i was still interested but I didn't really get the sound clip or sound bite that I wanted. And I think the way that you make a conversation, not a standard Q&A, is you shoot from the heart. You ask questions that you think, all right, like if they don't like it, that's cool. If they like it, it's fine. Like you kind of have to ruffle some feathers maybe. But I always start interviews or conversations off with people by letting them know if there's a question they don't like, we can skip it. I might still ask it, but like you don't have to answer it. because. I know people are going to be out there and be like, 
man, don't you want a good soundbite of a clip that like you really dug into someone? I'm like, no, it's great if you do, but I kind of want to have either a friendship or a conversation with this person so I can have them on again. I don't want it to come across like I'm digging at them, but it doesn't mean I shy away from the question. We had Jody Sweeten on in a recent episode and like I asked her at the beginning, like, is it okay if we talk about your mental health, like the drug addictions that you overcame? And she talks about it anyway. So she was totally fine with it. Now I didn't dive too hard into her, but I did mention about and this might age me a little bit, but I did honestly say to her, there was a point in time that I felt in Jody Sweetie's case that she was going to go down the road, the same road as the girl from Different Strokes, where I think Howard had her on and asked her to do a drug test. And I thought, I was like, when I was younger, I was like, man, that's going to be like Jody. Jody's going to walk down that road. And I told her that, but that's how I think you make things more conversation. Like you speak from the heart, you explain to someone like what exactly you're thinking, and you go from there. Like, Worst case scenario is if they get offended or if they're mad, you just apologize. Like, it's just, it's not to be rude or mean. How many members of Full House have you had on? If you include the actual, like, episodes themselves, I had Bob Saget, John Stamos, Jody Sweeten, and then Dave Coulier joined John Stamos' episode at the end. And this is where it becomes conversational, where you probably don't get this in an interview. It was my birthday, so I felt like, you know, I was going to reach anyway. Stamos sang me a happy birthday at the beginning, which I thought was kind of cool. But I said to Stamos, so I was like, all right, John, before we end this off, I'm like, I've had Bob on. I've got you on. I'm like, man, I can't get a Coolier. I'm like, I'm trying to get Coolier. And then he kind of laughed. He's like, hold on. I have three of us. Coolier is the one you can't get. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You think Coolier would be like the easiest one to get. And I'm like, I'm a Detroit fan. You think that would appeal to him because I think he's born in Michigan and he goes for Detroit as well. And he does a whole bunch of stuff that involves hockey. So he came on and they had a chat about how Stamos didn't know hockey. But yeah, I haven't had Dave fully on in his own episode, but I think it's about four, maybe four members. So when a celebrity death hits you and you've interviewed the person, like the Bob Saget interview that you did, how does that hit you? Because I think when you do an interview and you go through you know, that one-hour experience and you've got the podcast episode that lives in your stream and an untimely death with Bob Saget, how did you react to it and how did your listeners react to it? I think there's two sides of it. And again, I'll be honest, like there's a part of you that's very grateful, very happy that you got him on, especially like I I do have a story about that. That's interesting. But the first part of you is like, okay, I can't believe like we we got him on. I'm one of just say, I don't know, there's probably a, a lot of people interviewed him, but now you're on that list of someone who's had a conversation with Bob. And then another side of you is kind of like sad, disappointed that you will never have a follow up with him or you know, for his fan base or audience that he's gone. Cause I thought he was very humble. He was very easygoing to have a conversation with. It just does strike you a little bit differently. I think we mentioned this in Jody's episode where I have two older brothers when they mention about a celebrity's death that they grew up in the eighties. It might sound a little bit rude, but sometimes I'm like, who, who is that? What did they play? What role are they on that show? I never heard of them. And Bob for me was that guy that as soon as I heard about his death, I was kind of like a little bit instantly crushed because I've watched him on Full House. I watched him on AFE. He does the voiceover narration for How I Met Your Mother. So in a way, he's kind of been always in my life in different stages. Yeah, it did kind of hit a little bit hard. Now, if we have time, the story I was going to say about Bob is we tried to have Bob on for like three or four years. I was kind of very like adamant of sending emails and the guy was still friendly. Like his agent was coming back and be like, hey, he's not doing anything right now reach back at this point. And I was like, okay, reach back at this point. Hey, still busy. And then it was around February, March, and I seen him do a podcast about working out with someone in Nova Scotia. 
And I was like, all right, that's a province over for me. It's not even talking about entertainment. It's talking about working out with Bob Saget. No offense to Bob, but I don't essentially assume Bob Saget and workout. I sent his agent an email. Not mad, just like, buddy, come on. He, he did a, he's doing a podcast province over for me. You might not know where Newfoundland is. It's right next door. And then like within maybe 10 minutes, he came back. He's like, stand by. I'm on it. Working on it. Going to try to get Bob. There was a part of me that's like, did I just bully my way into an interview? Or did like this guy just forget about me? And then was like, oh, crap. Like he did ask a while ago. So let's get him on. And then when Bob came on, he was like super friendly, super nice. I think he was like in another country altogether getting ready to do a movie. And he took the time because it was during COVID. So they were kind of locked down too. But my takeaway from that interview, and I've mentioned it to many people that I think maybe it's just me in my own head. The interview is done. Conversation's over. It's easy for an actor just to like click the thing and say, thank you. It was fun. I was like, all right, Bob, we're done. He's like, well, that's nice. He's like, so what are your plans for today? What are you doing? I'm like, we're done. Like, you don't have to put on this act anymore, Bob. And he's like, no, I'm generally interested. Like, what do you, what do, you do in Newfoundland? And I was like, well, I don't know what other Newfoundlanders do. I'm like, I'm going to play some PlayStation and play some NHL franchise mode. He's like, oh, that's nice. He's like, so do you have any plans for the weekend? I'm like, dude, like, we're done. Like, and then he just kept going. And I thought it was really nice of him. And at the end of it, he's just like, all right, now I have to go. I'm like, Good, because I was ready to go 10 minutes ago. <laughs> your podcast is rather successful, yeah. but that doesn't mean you can quit your day job. What is your day job? So I work with CRA. So it's like the IRS. Yeah. So like to some people, I'm a good guy. To some people, I'm a villain. Depends on like what you call in for. You know, if you need an account unlocked, I'm pretty sure I'm a good guy. If you need something benefits related, I'm probably a bad guy. Just because you didn't fill out a form or... Something happened along the way. I'm trying to help you out, but you know how it is. I call Rogers and Bell all the time, and I'm pretty sure they're trying to help me out with something. And you just, you don't have the patience or you didn't get the answer you wanted. So you let, I don't know, Sally from Toronto get rung up and then you feel bad after. If you have a soul, you feel bad after. Do you think there's a place for you in broadcasting or have you just mastered this podcast so much that this is what I'm doing and I'm a podcaster now and this is where I'm going forward with all my skills? I, I still like to find myself in broadcasting at some point, but like it's tough because I don't know a lot about it. Like I know I went to school for it, but in terms of just like sticking around a place or, you know, like I, I really wanted to go at Bell at one point at CTV Ottawa and I did an internship there and I, I liked it, but sometimes the newsroom environment wasn't the greatest for me. And with a disability, you got to go to a place that understands your disability, that wants to help with that disability. And even myself, I'm trying to like figure out like, how do I write something up to let them know what my disability is and explain how I can be successful here. But I really do enjoy podcasting and I really like that medium. So if I could find a way to balance both, it'd be nice. But I think I've stopped sending out like resumes in the last maybe year and a half because I've, I've had this job at CRA. This year I got permanent, so I'm grateful for that. What I would suggest you do is take a look at your paycheck you're getting from the government. Divide it in two, and then that will be your broadcast paycheck. When oh, you're God. Out. Okay. Yeah. If you're passionate about it, if you're driven, and this is where you want to go, I feel like I'd be doing an underservice to myself if I didn't give it a try. Now, does it mean I'm going to be successful at it? No. No, it's no guarantee. But I'd like to say, all right, I gave it a try, a fair shot, and if it worked out, great. I know pay is important, especially this time, like especially the years that go by, things go up in price. But I feel like if you go to work and you like what you do, you're not really like, it sounds silly, but pay doesn't really matter. Like it's something that you enjoy doing and you're getting paid for it regardless. Who do you want to interview on the show? 
One fellow that I really like to interview because it's a guy that I admire, Conan O'Brien, just because I don't keep a lot of information like, you know, quotes, inspirational stuff that you want to kind of keep in your head that you kind of quote to your friends as mumbo jumbo or stuff you believe in. I watched Conan's Tonight Show. I I wasn't into his late night show because I was still young, but my brother got me into his Tonight Show. And as I grew up, I was like, bad move to LA. Would have kept him in New York. But I loved it. I love the Tonight Show. I love Conan's sense of how he does interviews, his self-humor. And I think he'd be a good guest to have on. I keep always going back to the quote now. I'm terrible for doing it myself, but I'll say it to other people where it's like the one where he talks about trying hard and like, you know, if you try hard in life, good things will happen. And I used to have it memorized. Over time, I've kind of forgot it. But I really like that because here he is at the pinnacle of like NBC kind of kicking him out the door. And he could have done anything in the world that he wanted to on air. Like, I mean, I know he makes jokes about like, here's this great painting that we have that NBC paid for. And then he tells people like they didn't actually pay for it and could have kicked him in the nads on the way out. But he didn't. He chose the high road. And I kind of respect him for that. Now, he did throw in a few digs that I like, like you can do anything you want in life as long as Jay Leto wants to do it too. Uh, I thought that was kind of humorous. That's one guy that I really admire and would love to have on. And I've been trying. It's not easy. Hey, Brian, congratulations on the uh, success of your podcast. Not your standard Q&A, but you've done a great job with it. This is probably the most successful intern project I've ever seen. I have to sometimes remember that myself. But you got to remember that things take time. And that's something that we lose today, where things want instant success. Thanks, Tobin, for joining me on the show. Tobin Tonight can be heard on all the usual podcast apps. If you'd like to partner with Brian because you're a celebrity and want to be interviewed, or you manage a celebrity and want the promo, or you just want to sponsor his show, you can reach out to Tobin. The email is in the show notes. Artwork was created for your eyes by Belladini. The show was produced by Evan Serminski and built for your ears by everyone at the Sound Off Media Company. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.